Amen. All right. If you could turn your Bibles over to Matthew chapter 12 as I make a few announcements here to get us started. Matthew chapter 12 is where we will begin today. Uh, but before we start, I want to introduce some uh, two of our best friends. And, and when I say that, you know, sometimes people visit and you say, oh, these are my best friends. And you don't really mean your best friends, but they just good friends. These are two of our best friends. So if I say it, I mean, I mean it, mean it, mean it, mean it. All the way from when we led the church in Tulsa. Two of our best friends, Troy and Elizabeth Warner, are here visiting with us today. You guys want to stand up for a minute? So you may not have met anyone from Nebraska before. Now you have. Now from Tulsa, Oklahoma. You can meet people from there. They serve in the church there. They are great disciples of Christ for many, many years. And uh, it's just a pleasure to have you guys here with us. It's always to see you, uh, for sure. Uh, a couple of announcements, though. Uh, this Wednesday, we have a midweek service, and uh, uh, Larry Craig, the elder from New Jersey, will be here to teach. And uh, it's going to be helping us focus in on marriage and parenting simultaneously. Uh, again, anybody's welcome to attend this, uh, by all means. And the next midweek, the one after that, will be on uh, chemical recovery on the 13th. And again, this one is for anybody to be a part of. Uh, whether uh, it's for you or family or friends to help understand what it's about. Uh, it's a great teaching aspect. And uh, even if you don't know anybody at this moment that needs it, it may be something you come to to help somebody in the future as well. And then the last midweek we'll have for this month will be on the 20th. And uh, Steve Kennard will be here teaching that. And uh, that, again, is for anybody to be a part of. It's not focused on any specific thing other than God teaching us to be more amazed by God and who he is. And Steve is an intelligent, brilliant teacher in the kingdom. And trust me, this will be a great time uh, to be a part to hear what he has to say. Uh, a couple other things is next Sunday, as we saw, is our special contribution that we're going to be taking up. Amen. And even after watching those videos, I'm thinking, not just how much are we going to give, but how many people are we going to help get married? How many people are going to appreciate their wife even more? I mean, she made that clear. He appreciates his wife. Uh, but next Sunday, please come prepare. We're going to do that towards the beginning. So make sure you get to the bus or the train or your car early enough that you get here at the beginning of service. Uh, so we're going to have a, a special time. That's the only contribution we'll take up next week will be special. So we won't have benevolence, we won't have a weekly, it all goes together. So one contribution next week for the benevolent, I mean for the special contribution. So, and we'll explain all that next week, but please, let's all get here early, let's make sure we can do this thing together, and uh, have a great celebration at the end, amen? Uh, also on the 24th of this month, there's going to be an all New York City Latin service that's going to happen in Harlem, uh, so to make sure we know that. I know we've had uh, five different services uh, at 1 o'clock. This happened earlier last month, and all those services was great. Familia, correct? A great time. Uh, so we're going to continue that later on. We'll talk later on what we'll do, but June 24th, there will be an all-New York City Latin service in Harlem. So the Harlem ministry will meet here with us, the English speakers, on June 24th. So the Harlem ministry will be combined with us here in the Bronx, and uh, the Latin service will be held in Harlem. So just to be clear on that, and we'll announce that again next week in the weeks to come. Um, also at 12.30 in the cafeteria, if you want to be a part of the arts ministry, uh, the bunches are having another meeting in the cafeteria. A lot of great ideas that they have. If you want to be singing, dancing, a part of poetry, whatever, 12.30 in the cafeteria today, there will be a meeting for the arts ministry. Hey, man. 
That was a whole lot, wasn't it? I'm just a little tired. We went on this fishing trip yesterday, and uh, I got to go with uh, uh, James Warren, a whole heap of people. Uh, that's what you say in the Midwest, a whole heap. I could say a lot, but it's a whole heap of people went to that on the trip. And uh, it was a good time. I kind of got to know uh, a few people, especially some sisters a little better here in the Bronx. Because uh, we're out there fishing, I've never seen fish like this. You know, coming from the Midwest, we have no ocean anywhere near us. Uh, but I'm sitting there fishing, and I'm thinking I'm doing a great job. I'm pulling up these fish. And I look over, and here's Anna pulling up fish twice the size of my fish. I was so upset, but then I caught one fish, and I knew nobody would believe me. So I took a picture of the fish, because I'm like, this fish is so big, but the picture weighed 10 pounds. That's how big the fish was. And I would carry it around, but it's too much to carry around because the picture was so heavy. Uh, but I got to say, Anna, Anna, she's a great fisherwoman. Uh, I don't know what she did. I think she was a... She's in Kids Kino now. I think she was spitting on her bait or something. She did a little, I don't understand what happened there. But uh, anyway, so if you see anybody that went, make sure you ask them who caught the first fish of the day. I'm not saying anybody's name about who caught the first one, but I'm just saying that's what we got to talk about. So anyway, anyway, got to live up to the last thing. Amen. All right, today, uh, title of the lesson is Renew Your Mind. Renew Your Mind. I'm going to take us through some scriptures that you already know that you're very familiar with, but I want to look at them in a different way to help renew your mind and be what God wants you to be. In Matthew chapter 12, we're going to start in verse 9. It says, Going on from that place, he went into their synagogue, and a man with a shriveled hand was there. Looking for a reason to accuse Jesus, they asked him, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? He said to them, If any of you has a sheep and it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will you not take hold of it and lift it out? How much more valuable is a man than a sheep? Therefore, it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Then he said to the man, Stretch out your hand. So he stretched it out, and it was completely restored, just as sound as the other. And the Pharisees went out and plotted how they might kill Jesus. You know, Jesus called for this man who had a, a disability. His hand was shriveled. He couldn't straighten it out. It couldn't bend it open. And Jesus called for him to stretch out his hand. Now, to him, this was impossible. But to God, it was normal. It would be as if somebody came up to you and said, you know what, how do you breathe? And you're like, what do you mean? You go, that's how you breathe. And they're like, but I, I don't know how to do it. How do you breathe so incredibly? And you'd be like, what is wrong with you? That's just normal breathing. When we look at things and we think this is so impossible, God is like, that's just normal for me. That's not impossible. What, what do you mean? I don't understand. Because that's a part of who he is. And then this, this shows us not that our, our, our wishes are incredible, but that just shows how much greater God is that what's impossible to us is just routine to him. Now, why was this man able to do the impossible, reach out and have his hand straightened out? Because he simply believed what Jesus said. Jesus said, do this, and he did it. Obedience to Jesus allowed him to have the impossible done in his life. When we look at this, we have to ask ourselves, how obedient am I to Jesus' word? And this is what I want to help us renew our mind about. Look over in Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. Now, I have a few points here today, but we know how this goes. It could be three points or 13, depending upon audience participation. Somebody want to have lunch today. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, 
holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve God, what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. It says be transformed in the renewing of your mind. The NLT, New Living Translation, says it like this. Let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. This verse talks to us about it needs to be a change in our minds and our thinking. Once that happens, then you'll find yourself no longer conforming to the pattern of the world, but to the will of God itself. Our behavior, our life, will change when our thinking changes. Now, I'm a, I'm a little tired today from all, that, all those fish I brought in. So I, I, I think it's good, though, because I'm going to have to slow down in my talking because I want this to really sink in for all of us here. Because there is no change in your behavior or your life that will occur. You don't need, let me say it like this. You don't need to question your salvation. You don't need to question your love for God if things in your life are not changing. What you need to question is how you think. See, too many times, amen, too many times we take the, the Christian easy way out by saying, I'm not doing well spiritually, or I'm struggling, or I don't know if I love God like I used to, or I don't know if I'm saved anymore. You're saved, you love God, God loves you, what needs to change is how you think. See, it's, if somebody says, I believe in tithing, but you don't tithe, that means you don't believe in tithing. Somebody says, I believe in sacrificing, and we should give special, but I'm not going to do it. Then you don't believe in sacrificing and giving special. You understand what I'm saying? You say, I know the Bible says you need to love people, and this is what Jesus talks about it. I've been taught this since a little kid. But then you don't love them, that means you don't believe in loving people. Here's the key. You will only really believe the parts of the Bible that you obey. You only believe the parts of the Bible that you obey. Now, 2 Timothy 3.16 says that all Scripture is God-breathed. So that means all the Bible's from God. So if we say, I believe all the Bible, but you don't practice what the Bible is saying, then you don't believe what the Bible is saying. And this is going to be a, a simple lesson, but obviously this is, I'm drilling something home here for some reason. Because the participation is going like, boom, and that could be because it's soaking in. So I'm not upset. Let it, let it soak in. Let it marinate. Because your life, point number one, your life and actions are based on your belief. Your life and how you live is based on your belief. See, if you, if you lie, then you believe that disobeying God, as he calls us not to lie, will cause you less pain than being honest. So what do you believe? I believe if I lie about this, it's going to be easier for me than if I do what God says to do. See, it's Satan's lie that's behind that. And then we start believing Satan's lie. It's happened way back in the beginning. Look over in Genesis chapter 3. I'm going to take these same scriptures that I know you know, but I'm going to help you see something behind it to renew your mind. Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. 
Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, We may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say, so she knew this, God did say, you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. You will not surely die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it and also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were open, and they realized they were naked, so they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Even back then, eating the forbidden fruit, Adam and Eve believed this will cause us to have blessings in our lives. See, that's the lie that Satan told them. They knew God said don't do it, but they thought, but we'll get blessings behind them. So they knew and believed God said don't do it, but they thought this would be a benefit for me if I did. So they lived according to their belief. And their belief wasn't in God, it was in the fact that God exists, this is what he says, but this is what's best for me. And that's what they followed. They disobeyed God. You know when somebody says to you, yeah, I'm a Christian, but I don't have to be that committed anymore because... God knows my heart. I've been around a long time. They just told you the real truth. What did they say? I don't really believe that. What I believe is that I don't really have to be committed. Even though God says that I believe, I don't have to be that committed. You will live out everything you believe. you got to hear me on that. Because some people that have been around a long time believe, they've seen great things, they just trust in God, and you're still here. And then some people, you're testing the water still on your belief. But you've got to understand, your life and your actions are based on your belief. If I'm committed, then I need to do what I believe. So, that being the case, do you believe that what you watch on TV makes a difference in your life? Do you believe that what you surf on the web makes a difference in your life? Do you believe how you are at work or school makes a difference in your life? Would you let your seven-year-old child sit there next to you as you're surfing the web and watch what you're watching? See, what you believe shows up in your life. Proverbs 14, verse 12. Look at what this says here. Proverbs 14, verse 12. There is a way that seems right to a man, but in the end, it leads to death. Now, something could have happened, and this scripture could not have made it into the Bible. So let's go over to chapter 16, verse 25. Chapter 16, verse 25. Ooh, look at what it says here. There is a way that seems right to a man, but in the end, leads to death. God said, even if you are having that quiet time in Proverbs 14, and somebody starts talking to you, and you skip that verse... When you get to 16, I'm going to say it again, because you need to understand that your way may seem right, but in the end, it will lead to death. We've got to make sure we understand your life and actions are based on what you believe. Because I know you probably believe I need to come to church 
because when the body meets together, I need to meet with it. How many believe that? Now that's good because not everybody raised their hand because that's the truth. Not everybody believes that because when we have mission team meetings or midweeks, not everybody comes. I, I'm sorry, did I confuse anybody on that one for a minute there? If you believe you need to be when the church, when it meets, you're going to show up. If you don't believe it, you're not going to show up. See, this doesn't hurt me. This shows about you and your belief in God. Now, when the horn, the trumpet blows and Jesus starts coming back, oh, you can believe real quick. Oh, I better show up to that meeting. Your life and your beliefs. Your life and actions are based on your beliefs. Now, that's just point one. I'm getting warmed up here because I need to have a little more participation. Point number two. Behind every sin is a lie that Satan wants you to believe. Behind every sin is a lie that Satan wants you to believe. It starts in the mind. At the moment you sin, you're doing what you think is best. You say, I know God says this, but I feel like I need to do that. I feel like I need to do this. What you're actually saying is, you're believing a lie, a lie from Satan. Because if you know God says this, that should be the end of the conversation. That you should put a period on the end of that. God says this, it's over. Look at Acts chapter 5. Again, another simple story that you already know, but let's break it down a little bit further. Acts 5 verse 1. Now a man named Ananias, together with his wife Sapphira, also sold a piece of property. With his wife's full knowledge, he kept back part of the money for himself, but brought the rest and put it at the apostles' feet. Then Peter said, Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit and have kept for yourself some of the money you received from the Lord? Didn't it belong to you before it was sold? And after it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? What made you think of doing such a thing? So he said, what made you think of doing such a thing? You have not lied to men, but to God. When Ananias heard this, he fell down and died. A great fear seized all who heard what had happened. Then the young man came forward, wrapped up his body, and carried him out and buried him. About three hours later, his wife came in. Not knowing what had happened, Peter asked her, Tell me, is this the price you and Ananias got for the land? Yes, she said. That is the price. <laughs> Peter said to her, How could you agree to test the Spirit of the Lord? Look, the feet of the man who buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out also. At that moment, she fell down at his feet and died. Then a young man came in, and finding her dead, carried her out and buried her beside her husband. Great fear seized the whole church and all who heard of these events. Here's the thing. Ananias and Sapphira believed that they could pretend to be something they're not. They believed that lie from Satan. Because Satan makes us all think we can get away with certain things. That it's going to be okay. See, that's Satan's lie. And Satan's lie to every single Christian is this. You don't have to fully obey God's words to be able to get God's blessing. You don't have to fully obey his words. You can obey, but not fully obey and still be blessed by God. You know, when I was playing football in college, all the football players, we lived in, uh, we had these two buildings, and we called it the towers. It was Tower A and Tower B. 
And it was just for the athletes to stay there, football, basketball players. And so on the first floor, when you walk in, anybody can go there, but not anybody can go up to where the rooms were. And so always on the first floor, there was a, a whole bunch of guys and girls. The guys were down there wanting to pretend to be on the football team, wanting to play, wanting to have the autographs and stuff. And then some of the girls that were there were just looking for a man, looking for a ticket out of college, hopefully they'll make it pro. So we would be up in the towers and we'd always say, anybody going downstairs to the basement? It's like, why? Because that's where all the tower rats hang out. And that's what we called them because all they did was feed off of all the athletes. They wanted to be there because, you know, the cameras are show up or, or we having free food, giveaways, different things. They wanted all the blessings of being in the towers without the commitment it took to be able to live there as an athlete. So then I came into the church and then I realized, you know what? We have some kingdom rats also. Because some kingdom rats are people that say they're disciples and they show up when I need help with my rent, I need a ride somewhere, I need help moving. And then when things are going good, you don't see them no more. And then when things get bad, they show up again. Nibble, 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 nibble. And then you have people that study the Bible. When things are bad, they come back, oh, I want to study the Bible. I want to be a Christian. Okay, let's get down to dealing with your sin. Oh, I got to go out of town. I'll be back. I'll be back. And then you don't see them again. And then things bad happen, they show up. Those are kingdom rats. They just nibble on the blessings of the kingdom instead of living like they need to live. And we got to ask ourselves and check ourselves, am I a kingdom rat? Do I just nibble and want the blessings? Or am I doing what it takes to live in the kingdom of God, to live in this place? You said, Arthur, how many people go to church and say they're a Christian but don't obey God's word? You look at them like, you have got to be kidding me. But sometimes, honestly, as a minister, I think, Okay, either you think I'm like real stupid here, because it's obvious you're not even trying. When's the last time you read your Bible? A couple weeks ago. You don't want to study the Bible. You don't really want to be a committed disciple. If you can't read your Bible on your own, you got to ask yourself, do I classify as a kingdom rat and I just want to just sit around and get some nibbles? And here's the, here's the problem, though. Satan has a lot of people believing that that's okay. Because if you ask them what's going on, oh, they can list off their problems. Ooh, Lord, help me. Hmm. As they say down south, bless your heart, child. Because you ask them one other thing, how you doing today? Oh, bro, let me tell you. Whoa, whoa, they ain't got that much time. Okay, let me move on. I just I'm going to Okay. Point number three. Point number three. Lifestyle changes start in the mind. And you got to hear me on this. Your life, the changes you want to make in your life, it starts in your mind. People say, well, wait a minute. If I repent, then this, 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 and happen. You got to understand. You can never repent of actions. Only sin. Okay, if you oversleep, how are you going to repent of that? Not ever sleep again? You can't do that. But you can repent of the actions that led, of the sin that led you to those actions. Well, why'd you stay up that late? Quit staying up that late, watching what you shouldn't have watched on TV, doing what you shouldn't have been doing. Deal with that sin so you can go to bed, wake up fresh, have your time with God, come to church. 
So you can only repent of sin. You can never repent of action. But when you repent of your sin, it leads to the actions changing. The word repent in Greek means to change your mind, to turn around. It, it's, that's what it's telling you. Change your mind. Again, we're so caught up in doing, doing, doing. And I, and I don't accuse people because honestly we were kind of taught that for so many years that we become so legalistic in doing my to-do list and checklist. Hey, it happened to all of us, so none of us can use it as an excuse now because there's about 10,000 other people just like you that did the same thing. So, that's no longer an excuse. But now the issue is, what are you doing personally? See, in order to renew your mind, you have to start with the belief. And then ask yourself, what is the lie behind that behavior? Again, you got to remember, Romans 12, 2. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. If the Bible calls for you to renew your mind... You've got to start thinking. You've got to change the way I think about this. Look at 2 Corinthians 10, verse 5. 2 Corinthians 10, verse 5. It says, we demolish arguments. It doesn't say overcome or beat. It says demolish arguments. And every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. What is he telling us? Again, you got to change the way you think. Change your thoughts. How you view things. This is what needs to change. Let me say something else. Very important. The way you think determines the way you feel. And the way you feel determines the way you act. When you kind of sleepy and hungry, you can be hungry or hungry. When you're hungry and sleepy, think of how you act there. Even your own mama don't call you on the phone at that time. It can get nasty. But then when you're full and you're happy, life is good, think of how you act then. If you want to change the way you act, you must change the way you think. You've got to see how important it is to change the way you think. Sometimes if you just stop, and you think, why is it like this? Or could it be different than what I'm seeing? And that can change your whole... I mean, seriously, a few minutes ago, I, I could feel the tension when I was describing that situation. And we wanted to get out and do some road racing. And then all of a sudden, as soon as I talked about the child, it just all oh, just went Guys, this is why God says you need to renew your mind. Stop going to the world's reaction first. Go to God's reaction first. Look in John chapter 8. Again, even the same scriptures that you've looked at before. Let me, let me renew your mind on it. John chapter 8, verse 31. John 8, 31 says, To the Jews who have believed him, Jesus said, Now, who have believed him, so they believe in him. Jesus said, If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciple. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So obviously, even though they believed in him, they weren't living it out. Now you would think, walking in the hot desert, no food to eat, no nothing, following Jesus, that's enough. I believe in you, Jesus. He said, you think you believe in me, but I know what you've been talking about this whole time you've been following me. Why am I going this route? Why am I doing this? 
questioning Jesus. You know they were questioning him. Where are he going? What's he doing? What's going on? How can you really say, I believe and you are Lord, if he's questioning everything he does? It's like saying, I'm committed to the church, but I got questions about every single thing. Now, it doesn't mean you shouldn't have your questions answered. We're not making robots in here. But it does mean I need to get my heart behind it. So if I'm not willing to get my questions answered, I need to stop questioning them. It's not wrong to ask a question, but if you aren't even going to put forth that much effort to find out what's behind it, then you don't need to complain. Because you can call, text, email, there's all kinds of ways to communicate. And let me say this, don't nobody go on social media and say, my evangelist called me a kingdom rat today. I did not say that. But if you felt guilty by me saying that, and there it is. We need to expose the lies that are behind the behavior. If you feel afraid to share your faith, you need to ask yourself, what do I think is going to happen? especially in New York. I'm sure you've been cussed out for some stupid stuff before. My friend Troy said, he was driving down the street and somebody flipped him off for no reason. He couldn't understand. I said, welcome to New York. <laughs> you don't need to understand it. They're just calling you number one. That's all they're thinking, you number one. I had to change my way of thinking. They flipped me off? No, they're telling me I'm the greatest. I'm number one. So now I'm happy when I'm driving down. You're number one. Thank you, sir. Thank you very much. You know, if you're sad, you got to ask yourself, what am I sad about? I know that all good blessings come from God. So God didn't do this. Whatever I'm sad about. I mean, you just got to start thinking. You know what it said about Abraham? He went to sacrifice his son, and he reasoned that even if he had to kill his son, God could raise him from the dead. What does that mean? It says he reasoned. He thought. He changed his way of thinking about it. Too many times we just go with the flow. We don't even think. I try to teach my kids all the time. You got a lazy mind. You may not be lazy, but your brain is lazy. You got to think about things ahead of time, and that'll save you a lot of challenges. Think about stuff. What does commitment to God do for us? When we fill our minds with God's word, then we're thinking God's thoughts. See, if you're not having quiet times, times reading your Bible every day, you're not filling your mind with God's mind. How can you change your mind? Fill it with what God said. Our feelings no longer control us, but then God's Word controls us. It allows you to know the truth and the truth that sets you free. And then fourthly, here. Trying to change your behavior without a change in your belief is a waste of time. Let me, let me, let me really clarify this. You go to a seminar, and you'll say, man, I want to change all these things. I'm so inspired by this. And then we walk away trying to change those things. So we need to take the time to go back and change why we believe what we believe. Then all those actions will change. Someone described it this way. Your belief patterns are in your mind. 
Every time you think a belief about a belief, it creates an electrical pulse across your brain. So every time you have that thought again, it creates a deeper route. Over time, a mindset is formed. When people have learned something over and over, being taught by the world's way of thinking, they are programmed to go that direction. If we want to change that and align it back with God's truth permanently, we have to be transformed by the renewing of our minds, by the constant feeding of God's truth. You know how true that is? Again, I know I've said this before, but how many people think Adam and Eve ate an apple in the garden? People believe that because that's what they've been told for so many years. The Bible doesn't say that. It says fruit. It could have been something else. How many people believe it was two animals going up on the ark, two by two, two by two? That's not what the Bible says. See, even, even spiritual things being told over and over and over and over again can become a pattern of thinking, and that's not really what God is saying. So we've got to transform our mind by the truth of God's Word. Let me share a story with you here. Two brothers were convicted of stealing sheep. For the crime, they each were branded on their forehead with the letters ST for sheep thief. One brother immediately ran away from the area and attempted to build a new life in another country. Even there, people asked him about the ST burned into his forehead. He continued his wanderings and finally, unable to bear the burden any longer, committed suicide. The other brother took a different approach. He said to himself, I can't run away from the fact that I stole sheep. But that's the past. I can stay here and win back my self-esteem and respect of my neighbor. The years passed and he built a reputation of integrity. One day a stranger saw the brother, now an old man, with the letters ST branded on his forehead. He asked a resident of the town, what are the letters stood for? The townsman replied, it happened a long time ago. I've forgotten the particulars, but I think the letters are abbreviation for saint. You know, guys, if we live the right life, you, you, you and other people don't even remember what your past is like. God says, I'll put that so far behind you as the east is from the west. The Bible calls for us to renew our minds. Let's go to one more scripture here. Well, two, real quick. Luke 15. I'll shorten it up here. Luke 15, verse 11. We know the story of the prodigal son, so we're just going to jump to the, the part I want to look at. Luke 15, verse 11. Jesus continued, There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Verse 13. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth and wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself to a citizen of that country and sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired men have food to spare, and here I am, starving to death. Here's his son who, who got his inheritance, squandered it, blew it off. He was so hungry, he wanted to eat the slop that the pigs were eating. But the Bible says in verse 17, then he came to his senses. You know what that means? He, he sat down and he started thinking. Even back at home, they have so much leftovers there. 
Even if, 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 if I went home and just worked as a slave, it would be better than that. You know, sometimes we need to just sit down and come to our senses. Why am I living this double life? Why am I pretending? I cannot fool God. He is everywhere. Why am I not more unified? Why am I not really changing this thing? We need to sit down and come to our senses about them. Let's close out in Romans 8. Well, we don't have one o'clock service today. We all get. Turn to Matthew chapter 3. Matthew 3. See, when I was in Tulsa, people used to just get up and walk out when I was preaching, when they had enough. But then Troy repented, and he starts saying, no, I'll just wait. <laughs> See, I mess with everybody. So if I mess with you, that shows my love for you. Felix. Matthew 3, verse 1. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the desert of Judea and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. This is the one who is spoken of through Isaiah the prophet. A voice of one calling in the desert, Prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. John's clothes are made of camel's hair, and he had a leather belt around his waist. His food was locusts and wild honey. People went out to him from Jerusalem and all Judea and the whole region of the Jordan. Confessing their sins, they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to where he was baptizing, he said to them, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Produce fruit and keeping with repentance. And do not think you can say to yourselves, We are Abra we have Abraham as our father. John the Baptist went out and he started telling people to repent. In other words, change the way you're thinking because the kingdom is near. And then even when the religious people started coming out, yeah, who warned you? Who warned you? Tell you what, produce fruit in your repentance. In other words, show that your thinking has changed in the way you live. Look in verse 15 of chapter 1. I mean, Mark chapter 1, verse 15. So John the Baptist talked to him about repentance. In Mark chapter 1, verse 15, 1, verse 15 Jesus says, The time has come. He said, The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. In other words, stop believing Satan's lies and believe the good news. Repent and believe the good news. Look in chapter 6, Mark 6, verse 12. Mark 6, verse 12, it says, They went out and preached that people should repent. Jesus said, I'm going to send my disciples out. They're like, well, what do we need to preach? Repentance. In other words, you go help everybody change their thinking. Because the time for him to die is coming. So everybody needs to change the way they think. Look in Acts chapter 2, verse 38. Acts 2, verse 38 and 39. Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, the promises for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. They all wanted to be saved. What do we need to do, Peter? He said, first of all, change the way you think. Don't worry about getting baptized right away. You need to change the way you think first. 
and see if you're studying the Bible and you haven't made that decision to get baptized yet is because you haven't made a decision to change the way you think. Your thinking hasn't changed, so you haven't made it into the waters of baptism. It's really not that tough. You've got to change the way you think. And this says promises for you and your children and all who are far off. Why do you think TJ's dad said, I'm going to get baptized, all y'all are going to get baptized too? Because I know how y'all think. We all need to change the way we think. This is what he's calling us to do. See, in Romans chapter 8, conclude here. Romans 8. Again, you're like, man, all these scriptures I've read before, I've seen them, I just never looked at it this way. That's totally fine. Now that you have, change the way you're thinking. And change it away one more time in Romans 8.28. One of our favorite scriptures, but let's look at what it says here. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Everything that has happened to you in the past, everything that's happened right now, everything that's going to happen in the future, is a part of God's plan for your life. Now here's the question. Do you believe it? If you believe it, then you need to live as if you believe it. If you believe it, then you should no longer mistrust God, doubt God, doubt He loves us, doubt the church, doubt the people with my mission team, doubt my disciple, doubt what's going on with special contribution, doubt tithing, doubt discipleship. We shouldn't doubt all those things. If we really believe that in all things, good or bad, God works for the good of those who love us. If you believe that, then the doubt shall go away. It doesn't mean hard times going to go away, but even when it's hard times, there's going to be good that comes out from that. The issue for each and every one of us is today, when I leave here, when I walk out those doors where Claudette's at, stand up, Claudette, look, put your hand up, girl. Come on, Claudette. I didn't say leave, I just said put your hand up. That's her. You see how she changed her thinking? She went to leave to just do what I asked you to do. Thank you, Yahida. Father and Yahida, you walk past them, the moment you walk past them, your thinking needs to change. It should not be the same way you are. Actually, why are we going to wait that long? Just change it right now where you're sitting there. That's it.